the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back again with more End Time Insights. And we are making more enemies. Today we're going to talk about wrath, W-R-A-T-H, the wrath of God. You know, in the book of uh, Revelation, there's three different types of wrath. There's the wrath of God, there's the wrath of the Lamb, and then there's the devil's wrath. And you need to learn the difference. You need to be able to identify them all. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that. The earth is under the wrath of God right now. I'm going to prove that to you. But as we do with other topics that are similar in nature, and by that I mean negative topics, topics that don't make you feel good, that aren't positive, wrath has been largely left unattended to, and that's what we do. If we don't like it, if it doesn't make us feel good, then we don't talk about it. Yet, if I study scripture, we will discover that this is the current state of of the very great majority of people living in the world today. They are under God's wrath, and they are destined for eternal punishment in hell. Don't think of wrath just as a type of verb or even a noun. Wrath is a state. It is the state of, I dare say, over 90% of the people who are alive in the earth today. While the enemies of Christ, Satan, demons, evil spirits are perfectly fine with our ignorance. The church must not become partners to that ignorance concerning the wrath of God. It's the truth that sets people free, that sets mankind free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you'll be freed from sin and its eternal reward, which is hell, the lake of fire. But we must do a better job of telling people the truth about their current spiritual state. Let's start here. We've got a verse in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of living in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the lusts of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Paul tells us we once lived like those whose carnal desires controlled their lives. We had, H-A-D, reveals we are no longer living like that. Living like what? Like whom? Living like whom the Bible calls the children of wrath. What a title. That's, that's rough stuff. That's quite an astounding statement. I put that right up there when Jesus told the religious leaders when he was around that they were their father, the devil. You know, this isn't edifying language. People try to paint a picture of Jesus that's not real. They're trying to paint a kindlier, more gentle God. You know, we don't talk about the God of the Old Testament because he was harsh. Well, now we're trying to go ahead and remake God in our image so that we can relate to him 
with our own understanding so that we can connect with him emotionally rather than spiritually because we don't like what's demanded of us spiritually. That's why the Passion Bible, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Passion Bible, but it was written so that we could be helped in connecting with God emotionally. No, you don't connect with God emotionally. The Bible says God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, not emotionally. Deep calleth unto deep. We have a spiritual connection with our God, his spirit connecting with our God. At the new birth, when we accept Christ, we no longer are the children of wrath, but we become born again. And our spirits, the Holy Spirit gives life to our spirit. He lives inside us and we are now alive unto the things of God. Let me read that verse again. Among whom also we had, past tense, our manner of living in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. You know, I see that children of wrath as a, as a cold slap in the face by Paul designed to get our attention. We once were the children of wrath. That's heavy duty. We once were the children of wrath. Now we're the children of God. We had a different family. We belonged to a different father. We weren't children of God. We were children of wrath. Notice the condemnation that comes with a phrase like that. It's associated with the children of wrath. We lived in the lust of our flesh and we fulfilled the desires of our flesh and the desires of our mind. Precept Austin, probably the best commentary gathering in in my opinion in the entire world, Precept Austin explains it like this. Flesh ethically refers to that part of man which, because of the fall, is opposed to God and his holiness. So true. The flesh is the source of those strong desires just described. Flesh is used in this context, refers to that entity which is inherited from Adam. It is present in every human being which is centered upon self, prone to sin, and opposed to God. The flesh is the ungodly, ugly complex of human sinful desires that includes the ungodly motives, ungodly affections, ungodly principles, ungodly purposes, ungodly words, and ungodly actions that sin generates through our bodies. To live according to the flesh is to be ruled and controlled by that evil complex. John Piper writes that flesh is the old ego that is self-reliant and does not delight to yield to any authority or depend on any mercy. Flesh craves the sensation of self-generated power and it loves the praise of men. In its conservatism, in its conservative form, it produces legalism, flesh, keeping rules by its own power for its own glory. In its more liberal form, it produces grossly immoral attitudes and acts. The flesh is the proud and unsubmissive root of depravity in every human heart, which exalts itself subtly through proud, self-reliant morality, or flaunts itself blatantly through self-assertive authority, despising immorality. Seeing it stated so clearly like that, it is no wonder that mankind, which lives like that, lives under the wrath of God. But before we move on, I want you to understand something. We are not children of wrath because we have sinned. You got to get that. We are not children of wrath because we have sinned. Our sin did not earn us God's wrath. We sinned because our nature is a nature of sin. Our sin did not put us under God's wrath. Our nature has placed us there which is why Jesus commanded men, you must be born again. You must get a new nature, a new spirit. The unregenerated, untransformed person still has that sin nature in him ruling and reigning. 
He cannot help but be ruled by his flesh. Therefore, he cannot help but sin. He is dead to the things of God. God doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Mankind's problem isn't that he is bad. Mankind's problem is that he is dead. He is dead in his trespass and his sin and lives under the wrath of God. Not because of his sin, because of his nature. John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That would be us. Thank you, Jesus. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see that life, but they shall see the wrath of God which abides on him. Jesus plainly confirms that right here. Everlasting life is the product of believing on Jesus. You got that? Everlasting life comes with believing on Jesus. Not believing on Jesus results in one remaining, well, dead. He shall not see life. Well, one that doesn't see life is dead. Not only will one not see life, but they will also forever remain under the wrath of God. Why? Because the wrath of God abides on him. Abide means to stay, to remain. They will forever be under the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 3 in the Amplified. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self, indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Up until Christ, all mankind belonged to the family of God's wrath. That's right. Since Christ, grace has given us the opportunity to leave that family of wrath and join the family of God. Are you following this? You can either belong to the family of wrath and live under the wrath of God eternally, or you can give your heart to Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will see life, and you will live with us forever with God in the presence of God, hallelujah, for eternity. So important. Unlike the common worldly saying where my wife says this all the time, you know, oh man, you know, you don't get to choose your family, but you do get to choose your friends. I guess she wasn't thrilled with the people God placed in her household. Hallelujah. But you know, in Christ, you do get to choose your family. Perhaps if we stated it like that, we might have a better chance of rescuing more souls from the wrath of God. In Christ Jesus, we do get to pick our family. With the church's neglect of souls, though, because of a fear of offending those who are dead, we are leaving them in the wrath of God. We need to offer them the same opportunity that we had to get out, switching families, being born again. Maybe if we tried a different approach, perhaps telling them that they aren't children of wrath because of their sin, but because of their nature, telling them they need a new nature, they need to be born again, we might have a better response. Paul, though, has a better idea. In Romans, there was a long-time narrative that's called Romans Road. I'm sure you've heard of it. And it's the road to salvation in Christ Jesus that Paul so eloquently lays out in the book of Romans. Paul takes us on that road, and he starts it in Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. This is me. We're told the truth in unrighteousness. So I would say from that, against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness, If there is ungodliness and if there is unrighteousness, then there is wrath. Well, let me ask you this. People don't think there's the wrath of God. I'm getting yelled at. I'm getting challenged. I'm getting criticized. I'm getting rebuked. 
telling me, Ron, you need to get back in a, in a church again, Ron. You need to go ahead and repent, Father. You're getting lazy, Ron. Whew. I am in church. <laughs> lazy is not a word that's associated with Ron Geyer, and I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Pray for me. But look at this. Where there's ungodliness, the wrath of God is revealed. Where there is unrighteousness, the wrath of God is revealed. Do you think the murder by this nation of close to 70 million babies before they're ever born, would you classify that as ungodliness or unrighteousness? Of course you would. Would you say that rampant homosexual perversion, rampant sexual depravity, would you say that's ungodly? Would you say that's unright? Of course it is. Well then, if that's here in America, guess what? So, too, is the wrath of God. We are under the wrath of God. You must understand that. When? Now. It's already here. Let me read it. The just shall live by faith, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. Well, if there's ungodliness, if there's unrighteousness, and we've just proven that through abortion and through sexual depravity, well, then the wrath is here. If that's here, wrath is here. Because God is judging it as ungodly. He is judging it as wrong. And he's letting you know you will be condemned if you continue in those unrighteous, ungodly acts, behaviors. Paul announces, Paul proclaims, Paul heralds the gospel. He tells of its power to save souls. Truth is, it's the only power that saves souls, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Yes, here, God not only reveals himself to man, but he reveals man's need to no longer rely upon his own righteousness in order to come to God. That's what the gospel states, right? Jesus, you're a sinner. Jesus died for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin. He defeated sin on the cross. He defeated the power of sin over you. You must be born again. Jesus is your Messiah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You and your whole house shall be saved. That's the gospel. He went to hell. He was raised from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. There's only one way, and it's through faith, though, that you can receive this by Christ Jesus. The gospel reveals the faith which is required to believe. You can't believe without faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Man can now be made righteous in the eyes of God only through faith because of what Jesus has done. Then the very first thing that Paul does after he makes that statement, this is great, it's what we should do. It's what we all should. It's what's been missing from the American gospel preaching for a couple of decades now. He tells man where he is spiritually. How can you not Cover that, right? Matthew 121, Jesus talks about the fact that Jesus came to save his children, his people from their sin. That's the beginning of the gospel. Man is a sinner. Jesus came to save us from our sin. And here, Paul in Romans 1 verse 18 hits the nail on the head. For the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. He tells man where he is spiritually. This is diametrically opposed to what most of our preachers in America do. We don't tell them they're sinners. We are removing the word sin from our vocabulary. If you get to remove the word sin and the state of man under the wrath of God, then you remove the need for a Messiah. This is an assault against Jesus, the works of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the glory of God. The gospel message must begin at the beginning. What's the beginning? Well, according to Paul right here, it's that God's wrath is upon mankind. That's the beginning. Okay, that's the problem. How do we fix it? The gospel, Jesus. 
Mankind is out of order. He is unrighteous and he is living ungodly lives. Here is what the church is failing us in. We are scared of offending today's modern culture. So we allow Satan to speak to us in the church instead of God. Saints, understand, God hasn't changed the gospel. Fearful man has changed the gospel. God doesn't hide unpleasant aspects of the gospel. Man does that. And further truth be known, it's not really man that's doing that. This is the plan of Satan. John MacArthur, who I'm really coming to love, don't forget I was born again in the Word of Faith movement, and I have been delivered from the false aspects of that Word of Faith movement, and that means I'm allowed to read John MacArthur again. (laughs) Uh, Who knows? I'll probably be reading books by Catholic authors. Matter of fact, my cousin sends me stuff all the time about uh, Scott Hahn. Are you familiar with Scott Hahn? He's a wonderful Catholic guy, and he writes good stuff. And, you know, we glean from wherever we can find it. It's not an acceptance or not a, an affirmation of what's going on everywhere in all these religions, but it's just something. I'm going to find truth, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to eat it wherever I can find it. Hallelujah. You know, if Burger King winds up making better French fries than McDonald's, then I'm going to start eating over at Burger King. I'm going to go where I get fed. Amen? Sorry, I drifted. John MacArthur, he writes, How can people understand anything about love? If they don't understand God's hate, how can they understand anything about his grace if they don't know about his laws? How can they understand forgiveness if they don't understand the penalty of sin? Men cannot understand. They cannot seek grace and salvation unless they are affected with the dread of the wrath of God that is upon them. Unless men sense that they are in grave danger, there's no pressure. There's no urgency applied for them to change. God is a God of wrath, folks. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of anger. Now, does that sound like a poor choice of starting points for the gospel? Well, it's where Paul started. Think about it. The bad news has to come before the good news, right? It's kind of like going to the doctor and having the doctor say to you, I got bad news. You have a fatal illness and that has killed many people. Whoa. But then he says, I have good news. A cure has been found and I have it right here. See, the good news means nothing without the threat of death from the bad news, then it takes on a greater meaning to you. You have to diagnose the disease before the cure really means anything to you, and that's a good point, John MacArthur. The bad news is God hates. The good news is God loves. But you have to start with his hate, first the diagnosis, then the cure. God hates sin, bad news. You are a sinner, doubly bad news. Good news. God loves you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for the sin so you don't have to. Now, knowing what Jesus has saved me from, as an urgency for me to want to get right with God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. The gospel not only demonstrates the love of God, but it also reveals the wrath of God. People tell me there's no wrath in the earth today. They are sick with deception. Wrath is not something that is just reserved for the time of the future. And we all associate wrath with the tribulation period. But of course, it's, oh boy, it's where God pours out wrath without measure, without mixture. There's no diluting the wrath of God in the tribulation. We drink from the fullness of the cup of God's indignation. That is some nasty stuff. But wrath is here now. The entire planet is covered under the wrath of God. And that includes our nation, folks. People don't want to hear that. You know, many in the church have been brainwashed by false pulpiteers 
who believe that the God of love doesn't punish anybody. He doesn't discipline anybody. He doesn't judge anybody. He doesn't rebuke anybody. He doesn't chasten or chastise anybody. And he definitely doesn't send wrath to the earth in America. No, no, no. Frankly, folks, sentence on the earth and mankind has already been passed. The whole human race is damned to hell. We are all children of wrath under the judgment of God. Man is born condemned. All men are born into the world under the wrath of God. So there you have the foundation laid for understanding the wrath of God. God's wrath is not a sudden explosion of uncontrollable divine anger. It's a well-thought-out punishment, a manifestation of someone, God, who has a seething anger against sin that's been laying quietly dormant until it will suddenly manifest and reveal his absolute abhorrent hatred for sin. It's the spiritual state that man lives under. When Adam said no to God, that's what brought this wrath on us. But don't put your understanding of wrath on God. Don't put your understanding on it. Don't use your carnal mind, your earthly, sensual, devilish reasoning to try to understand the wrath of God. That's not God. Wrath, as it applies to mankind, is the spiritual state in which he exists. Do you understand that? You are in the state of under the wrath of God until he repents and becomes born again. There's actually three Greek words for the wrath in the New Testament. The first one is orge, O-R-G-E, and it means anger, but it means anger in the sense of a settled, seething, inward anger with the view of taking revenge. Orge is a less sudden manifestation of anger than the other two Greek words you're going to talk about, but it's more lasting in its nature, and that's the wrath that is usually ascribed to God. The next one is thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S. That too is anger, but it's more sudden and it's more instantaneous than orge. It's a hot anger, a passionate anger that comes and goes once it is spent. And then the last Greek word in the New Testament for wrath is Parorgismo, P-A-R-O-R-G-I-S-M-O-S. And it means to arouse one to wrath, to provoke wrath, to incite wrath. Orge is the word that's used in Romans one eighteen, and basically it means justifiable abhorrence, punishment, indignation, vengeance. That's God's attitude. That's my father, your father's attitude if you're a Christian. If you are not born again, then guess what? You are a child of wrath. You've got to change that, guys, and only you have the ability to change that. Change your family. Change your father. Get born again. Our Father God, he is perfect in all his ways, whether we like it or not. His wrath is perfect. Not only is his wrath perfect, it is perfectly justified. He never comes too soon. He never brings it too soon. He gives man every chance he has to avoid the wrath of God, to get free from it like we did at the new birth. Once again, we had been the children of wrath, but now we are the children of the living God. Not only is his wrath perfect and is his hatred perfect, but his love too is perfect, and that is perfectly justified as well. His hate is perfectly justified. His mercy and his grace are both perfectly justified. God is the perfect balance of all of his attributes together. In the church today, though, we don't want to talk about the negative attributes of God. We just shoo them away like they're non-existence. Boy, are we in for a surprise. The church gets in trouble when we try to reason away the attributes of God that may disturb us. We want comfort in our Christianity. We don't want challenges. So the simple course which mankind has chosen 
is to not speak about them. We don't talk about that God hates. Well, God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Well, that's from Gandhi, folks. That's not Bible. And he doesn't send sin to hell. Man will go to hell. The sinner will wind up in hell unless he does something. One key aspect of God that goes unnoticed is that his wrath is here right now. I told you that. I showed you that. Just as he is ever-present, so is his wrath ever-present as long as unrighteousness and ungodliness remains in the earth today. Most of us were kind of waiting for his wrath to manifest in the tribulation period, and it will when it's finally poured out without measure, without being diluted. I know that's a sorry way to start your Sunday evening, folks, talking about the wrath of God, but you can't ignore it. Because, like I said, probably 90%, probably more than that, of the people who are alive today are the children of wrath. They are living under the wrath of God. God sent Jesus to do something about it, and he is continuing to do something about it. He would not rather we live under wrath. His will is that nobody perish, but that all come to repentance. But until the church resumes to doing a good job telling the people that they are out of fellowship with God, that they don't belong to the family of God, that they need to get saved, repent of their sin, and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord, We will see and suffer the wrath of God. I'm Ron Guy. I will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.